Hi, I'm Jamie Poisson, and I host CBC's daily news podcast, Front Burner. Every weekday, we set out to have a conversation about the biggest Canadian and global issues that you want to know more about, from politics to culture to online stuff. We spend a lot of time on the show thinking about the best ways to have those conversations and searching for the smartest people to have them with. That's it. That's the cell. I hope you'll tune in. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is The Dose. This week, we all have COVID-19 on our minds. With each passing day, we're getting more information, not just about travel bans and the number of cases, but about how people with certain medical conditions might be at higher risk when it comes to COVID-19. Conditions like high blood pressure, what doctors call hypertension. According to Statistics Canada, one in four Canadians live with hypertension. Blood pressure meds are among the most commonly prescribed drugs in North America. The earliest reports from coronavirus hotspots like China and Italy suggested that patients with high blood pressure were more likely to have a severe case of COVID-19 compared to people with normal blood pressure. As well, there have been suggestions that the very medications doctors prescribe to treat hypertension might make your prognosis from COVID-19 worse. So today, we're starting with some vital news you can use about COVID-19 and blood pressure to clear up some misinformation out there. After that, we tackle the question, how can I control my high blood pressure? Joining me today on Skype, because we're all practicing social distancing, is Dr. Nadia Khan. She's a professor of medicine at the University of British Columbia, a general internist, and the president of Hypertension Canada. Hello, Dr. Khan. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for speaking with us. First of all, there have been some stories out there about the link between people who get coronavirus and hypertension, and this goes back to the initial outbreak in China. What do we know right now about any possible connection? Well, we do know that patients that were hospitalized with coronavirus tended to have a high prevalence of hypertension, so at about 30% to 50%. And certainly that's not completely unexpected because hospitalized patients are likely to be older, Uh, They're likely to have other comorbidities. When we adjusted or accounted for other risk factors uh, like age, et cetera, there was no association between hypertension and poor outcomes with coronavirus. So death, for example, with coronavirus infections. It's possible from what you've said that the connection between high blood pressure and the severity of COVID-19 that has been observed in some mm-hmm. places, this is simply a coincidence that age increases the risk of both COVID-19, the severity of COVID-19, and older people tend to have high blood pressure, but that there might be no connection between high blood pressure and COVID-19. That's right. And we have to keep in mind that the, the prevalence of hypertension is very high. And like you pointed out at the start of this podcast, that one in five or so Canadians, one in three, one in four Americans have hypertension. And in China, the rates of hypertension or the prevalence of hypertension after the age of 50 is about 30%, and it increases from there. So certainly the prevalence is so high in many populations around the world. Nevertheless, the point is that some doctors have uh, noted that there may be an important connection between some very commonly prescribed drugs for hypertension, high blood pressure, and COVID-19. Can you fill us in on that story? So there is some animal data, and that mostly stems from data with the SARS coronavirus that shows that the enzyme ACE2 
is increased in people that are taking ACE inhibitors and angiotensin receptor blockers. Now, that was really only found in animal studies, so rat models, and mostly of the heart. So there haven't been any studies looking at lung tissue, which is really relevant for the COVID-19 infections. And also the studies done in humans don't show that humans taking ACE inhibitors or ARB have increased ACE2 levels. So we have to keep that in context. Overall, the evidence is not strong enough to say that there is a link. And so that's the issue that has really taken a foot and it's it's spread quite widely on popular media and uh, through social media. And the concern is, is that people will start stopping their ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers. And that is really not a good idea. We are recommending from Hypertension Canada that the public who have hypertension stay on their ACE inhibitors and their angiotensin receptor blockers. And if they become very sick and septic and in the hospital, uh, physicians will make a judgment as they do all the time with sick and septic patients, uh, whether or not to keep going with blood pressure medications in that specific circumstance. But I would really encourage everybody to continue on, given that the science or the evidence really is not strong, suggesting that there's this pathophysiological link. Um, and, and we really just don't have the evidence to say that that would be something that people should do. And, and I'm going to emphasize that right now. The bottom line is that people listening to us want to know whether they should still take their blood pressure medications prescribed by their doctors. You're with Hypertension Canada. Um, mm-hmm. What does that organization and others like the Canadian Cardiovascular Society say to people with high blood pressure? All of the, the societies that this is relevant to, including Hypertension Canada, the Canadian Cardiovascular Society, the European Society of Cardiology, the European Society of Hypertension, the International Society of Hypertension are all recommending to continue with ACE inhibitor use and continue with angiotensin receptor blocker use. And these groups, including Hypertension Canada, is actively monitoring all the evidence. As people know, information is coming out day by day. So certainly this is being actively monitored by many bodies on a, on a daily basis. And and not only on a daily basis, but I've been pulling tables off the internet from Hypertension Canada and elsewhere that are within the last couple of days. That's how exactly. recent. That's how recent. That's how quickly they're being updated. Exactly. Exactly. What are the dangers if you do stop uh, taking your medications as prescribed without consulting with a physician? For patients with hypertension, your blood pressure can be increased, and depending on how high your blood pressure is and that could lead to complications of hypertension. Some people are taking these medications for heart failure. Your heart failure can become exacerbated or worsened. So these are really important life-saving medications. Uh, They prevent heart failure, strokes, heart attacks, early death. So the appropriate regular use of these medications have been shown to reduce those Mm -hmm. outcomes. So that's really what's at risk if you decide you you want to stop taking those medications and let your blood pressure uh, be uncontrolled. Those aren't urgent pages that you're getting. 
Uh, no, I'm I'm watching them. No, good, it's fine. good, because I know you've been you've been going to meetings on a regular basis, and and it, and it's nonstop because of COVID nineteen, and we don't want to take you away from that. So there's another connection though between high blood pressure and COVID nineteen, and that is stress. And this is a mm-hmm. very stressful time mm-hmm. for everybody, and we know yes. that there are links between stress and hypertension. What do people with high blood pressure need to be aware of at a time like this? So the most important thing again is to continue with your medications and keep employing those health behavior changes that you were doing when, you know, we weren't in sort of this COVID crisis. So that includes things like moderating your alcohol intake, really making sure that you're eating a healthy diet, uh, reduce your processed food intake, uh, just really try to make sure that you're eating an appropriately low sodium uh, diet Um, And continuing on with exercise and trying to keep your weight under control. And and really, if you you love walking, this is a good time to to walk and keep your social distancing at least 45 to 50 minutes for most days of the week. So really trying to keep your health behaviors in check. And those health behaviors not only reduce blood pressure, but they also reduce stress levels. And certainly that's something that is really important at this critical time for us. Now, I see many people in the emergency department who say mm-hmm. they've checked their blood pressure at the pharmacy and it's elevated, mm-hmm. and they come to the emergency department asking me to fix it. And I have to say that most of the time, I don't do that, and most of my colleagues don't uh, give people medications to lower blood pressure. So am I dispensing the right advice in general? E- yes. So the most important thing, you know, I, I often have patients that have high blood pressure and for whatever reason, either stress or uh, something's happened or they've stopped taking their medications and they will get very nervous and uh, maybe through home readings or pharmacy readings, uh, and then they'll go to the emergency department. And really, uh, hypertensive emergencies are only those where your blood pressure is really high, like, for example, 180 for the systolic and 110 for the diastolic or higher, and you have certain symptoms. And I think those symptoms are really important to know what they are. So the most important ones are if you have symptoms of shortness of breath, chest pain, symptoms that suggest stroke, like severe, severe headache, changes in weakness, uh, difficulty speaking, blurred vision, so those and shortness of breath, those kinds of symptoms um, if you have raised but very high blood pressure, you should go to the emergency department. But for the vast majority of people, like 90% of people, they don't have those symptoms. They might have some mild headache or moderate headache. Um, they might have no symptoms at all. Even if your blood pressure is very high, it's not the time to see the emergency department, but it's really the time to book an appointment with your primary care provider to get your blood pressure checked and controlled start on medication therapy or resume your medication therapy. And we're talking about within days and weeks, not within minutes and hours. Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandeville disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years. Ever since I first covered it, as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favourite podcast app. 
I want to talk about the symptoms uh, that, that, that go with high blood pressure and, and the misconceptions that, that, that patients have in a moment. But why, in your experience, do people go off uh, their blood pressure medications? 50% of people who start on medications for hypertension and even other conditions um, will not be taking their medication as prescribed by one year. So that's a really high number. And if we think about the reasons why we never achieve the right target of blood pressure, the majority of times it's because the patients are actually not taking the medication or they're not prescribed enough medication to keep their blood pressure under control. So the reasons why people don't take their medications are complicated and they can range from just simply forgetting because you're prescribed nighttime dosing or multiple day dosing of medications um, can be due to costs, uh, can be due to issues of side effects. So some patients feel that they're developing side effects and they may not go back to their care provider who prescribed the medication in the first place to let them know and they might just simply stop their medication. There's also some people that actually think that once their blood pressure is under control, they do not need blood pressure medications. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a, a significant misconception. Hypertension is considered a chronic problem. These are long-term therapies. Um, so there are multiple different types of antihypertensives. And if you're having intolerances or side effects with one, you can obviously switch to some of these other classes to find the right combination that works for you. I, I'm getting the sense that there is another misconception that, that uh, you know, when people have a headache, they take a Tylenol, acetaminophen, mm -hmm. and their headache goes mm -hmm. away. Uh, it's not the same with blood pressure medication. You're, you're taking it for a long-term benefit, aren't you? That's right. That's right. So it's not like, it's not like pneumonia that you get a tr short course of treatment and then it's resolved and then you don't need treatment any further. You need this sort of long-term. And the thing about hypertension is for the vast majority of people, uh, hypertension is a silent killer. So most people have no symptoms or very mild and nonspecific symptoms. So they really can't even tell that their blood pressure medications are doing something for them unless they go to their physician or nurse or nurse practitioner, or they're checking at home to see that their blood pressure is reduced. So in that sense, taking blood pressure medication to for the long-term benefit of preventing heart attacks and strokes, just to name two of the of the mm -hmm. most common complications, mm -hmm. that's, that's almost like uh, a vaccination. It's almost like you're that's, immunizing yourself uh, against something that you hope won't happen down the road. That's right. And I'm a general internist, so I work in an acute care hospital. And I was working there for, you know, two decades and seeing patients, terrible cases of people that had strokes and heart failure to the point where they couldn't even enjoy going out with their friends or leaving the house because they're so short of breath. And I used to say when I would see these patients, I wish I could have seen them 10 years earlier when their only problem was high blood pressure. And we could have done something to prevent these kinds of conditions because once these things like stroke and heart failure occur, it's very difficult to recover from those. It's very difficult to reverse. It's much, much better to prevent these kinds of issues. Uh, and antihypertensives and health behavior change are a proven way that's definitely beneficial to preventing those kinds of conditions. And you're not saying that people can never go off their medications. They can if they do what? That's right. So 
health behavior change, like reducing your sodium content or eating a diet that's high in plant proteins, high fiber, uh, whole grains, low in saturated fats, high in calcium, magnesium, potassium, those kinds of diets, reducing your alcohol intake, keeping moderately active, uh, those things, each of them can lower your blood pressure even to the same extent as a single blood pressure medication. So you can certainly reduce your medications just by actively employing some of these health behavior changes. One of the things that, that emergency physicians like me see very often are patients who had a, a one or two blood pressure readings taken in the pharmacy and then they've come running to the emergency department. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, you know, almost every pharmacy mm-hmm. these days has a blood pressure machine. How useful are they for patients? So they're useful um, in that whenever we're trying to diagnose someone with high blood pressure, one thing that always crosses our mind is whether or not someone has this phenomena called white coat hypertension, which I'm sure many people have heard about, but it's really when your blood pressure is elevated at the primary care provider's office. And it's very unique to that environment. So getting readings done at a pharmacy is really good to understand whether you're getting discrepant readings. So for example, if you're at a pharmacy and your blood pressure is normal, but every time you go to your physician's office, your blood pressure is high, you could have white coat hypertension. But the the thing is, we don't use kiosk readings for making a diagnosis, and we don't really use it for tracking the effect of blood pressure medications. So they're, they're really not for those purposes. Uh, is it the white coat uh, itself that, that puts uh, some patients uh, off or is it that they're stressed by seeing the doctor? You know, it seems to me that when I get insurance physicals, <laughs> um, just the moment, there's that moment when, when uh, right. the nurse takes my blood pressure that, that I'm afraid it's going to be going up. So exactly the same idea. So it is that white coat hypertension that also anxiety around getting your blood pressures measured at physician's visits. But other thing to to think about is that, yes, most people get that tension and anxiety. And that's why home readings and 24-hour ambulatory blood pressure readings are actually so much better predictors for future outcomes than clinic office readings. They're done in more of your home relaxed environment. And they're also taking multiple readings because we know like even us talking here, um, our blood pressure is going up and that's natural. So we do know that blood pressure varies throughout the day and depending on what activity you're doing. But just just to put people's minds at ease, are you saying that that uh, pharmacy and home readings, uh, home monitors are generally accurate? Home monitors, some of them are accurate. And the way you can tell, uh, the Hypertension Canada organization has a list of all the devices that have been validated for accuracy. You could, if you go to your local drugstore, wherever you're purchasing or on Amazon purchasing your blood pressure device, you can look for the heart with a check mark insignia on, and that really will help flag which are the blood pressure devices that have been proven accurate. And just to clarify, I know this, but for those who who might not know these numbers, what are the blood pressure numbers that we're talking about? What's considered a normal blood pressure? What's high? So hypertension is when your blood pressure at the physician's office is 140 over 90. And either of those numbers, if those are above that threshold, then persistently, we would say you've got hypertension. For some people, if you're high risk, 
your physician might diagnose at uh, lower blood pressure thresholds. So for example, if you had type 2 diabetes, heart disease, then you would be diagnosed with high blood pressure at the level of 130 over 80, for example. So it does depend on your risk level, but for the majority of people, hypertension is 140 over 90 and higher. Thank you very much for uh, for speaking with us. Oh, thank you. We're, we'll let you know when it drops so that you can you can tweet it. Great, and hopefully thank we can you call on much. you sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. Stay safe, and I hope I hope everybody in Toronto Emerge Department, et cetera, are doing doing well and coping. Yeah, me too. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye now. That was Dr. Nadia Khan. She's a professor of medicine at the University of British Columbia, a general internist, and the president of Hypertension Canada. And here's your dose of smart advice on your blood pressure, especially during the time of COVID-19. First, you have high blood pressure if your BP is consistently at or above 140 over 90. In fact, you have high blood pressure too if just the top number is 140 or above or just the bottom number is 90 or greater. Second, high blood pressure is a silent disease. Unlike a headache or heartburn, you can't tell if your BP is up by how you feel. Blood pressure that's drastically elevated, like well above 180 over 110, may cause actual symptoms like severe headache and chest pain. When that happens, call 911. Third, just as you get a vaccine to prevent measles, you take blood pressure pills to prevent heart attacks and strokes in the long run. To do their thing, you have to keep taking your prescribed medications. Fourth, if your long-term goal is to stop taking blood pressure pills, you can lower your blood pressure by losing weight, exercising, eating a healthy diet, and reducing your alcohol intake. Just don't stop taking your medications without discussing it with your doctor or nurse practitioner. If you stop suddenly, you'll be putting yourself at risk of heart attacks, strokes, and heart failure. Last but not least, you're going to read a lot about a possible connection between COVID-19 and certain blood pressure medications. Here are the up-to-the-minute recommendations from Hypertension Canada and the Canadian Cardiovascular Society. They say, if you get COVID-19 or are worried about getting COVID-19, you should keep taking your blood pressure medications. Just check with your doctor. As usual, we really want to know what questions you'd like us to tackle related to COVID-19 or otherwise. Tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC Whitecoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can also email us. Our address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. The Dose is produced by Nicole Ireland, Donna Dingwall, and me with digital support from Olivia Pascarelli and Fabiola Carletti. Shout out to Alison Broddle, Managing Editor at CBC Radio, Arif Narani, the executive producer of CBC Podcasts, and Leslie Merklinger, CBC's Director of Audio Innovation. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health, but if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.